I read an article a couple weeks ago called Honoring Our Gifts, which said this. Actor Charlie Hunam has recently begun a transition to writing. About to turn 40, he had reached a place in life for some evaluation. Hunam knew he would be out of work for a while due to COVID-19, and in his heart, there were stories that he had been carrying around, he shares. They had been sort of given to me like gifts, and I wasn't honoring those gifts. As he started the process of honoring these gifts, Hunam found new energy. He started to get up around 4 a.m. daily to go on a short hike. He would be back home, showered, and eat breakfast by 6 a.m. Then he would sit down and write until 7 p.m. That's 13 hours. He explains the sensation this way. I just started to get this really now feeling of life. Like there's nothing else in the world that would be better for me than what I'm doing right now. And the result of it was more positive than anything I've ever done in my career. And I've worked really, really hard to cultivate this gift and to be proud of the work that I'm able to do now. But part of me feels like it's an uphill struggle. But when I write, I feel as though I'm honoring the innate gifts that God gave me. I feel like I really can do this stuff at a high level. And that's a feeling that I've never had in my life before in any regard. I feel like we all have one or two innate talents and a task of life is to identify those and then do that as much as you possibly can because that's where the joy and the presence are going to come from. That's where the grace is going to come from. Actor Charlie Hunam may or may not be a Christian, but one thing is for sure, he's right about using the gifts that God has given us. And today we're going to look at three passages that relate to spiritual gifts. And first, we're going to examine some of the details of those passages. Second, we're going to observe, observe some of the principles being taught. And then third, God willing, we'll learn some associated applications for our lives. What are spiritual gifts? One source define spiritual gifts as ministries or abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to Christians for the edification of the church. Edification is the instruction of or improvement of morality and intellect. The Apostle Paul is the primary source who reveals the concept of spiritual gifts in the Bible, particularly as it relates to the church. This is important because spiritual gifts, again, are the edification of the church. Well, what does church mean? Is it this church, Shadow Mountain Church? Or is it the building we worship in? It's important to understand what the church is if we want to edify it, right? Ecclesiology is the study of the church. And the word ecclesiology comes from two Greek words, meaning assembly and word, which together mean the study of the church. One source described the church as an assembly or gathering of believers who belong to God. 
According to that description, spiritual gifts are meant to instruct and improve the morality and intellect of those who assemble, believe in, and belong to God. And so essentially, spiritual gifts are given to God's people for God's people. There are many people who have studied and written about spiritual gifts. And while, in my opinion, not everything is really easy to understand, there are some basic things that I want to point out. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which also means wind, breath, life, or vitality. And when these words are used, it typically suggests that God's people have been empowered for a task or to reveal God's will through the spirit. Ezekiel 11:5. Then the spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, speak. Thus says the Lord, thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. Notice the spirit of the Lord fell upon men and said, speak. So clearly the spirit of the Lord or the Holy Spirit is one who influences God's people to speak or to do things. The gospels give a clear picture that Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in the book of Acts, we see the first account of the Holy Spirit being received by Christians just before Jesus' ascension, where Jesus says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit has been influencing and empowering God's people throughout time and continues to do so today in and through us as Christians. As followers of Jesus Christ, by giving us spiritual gifts used to edify God's people. And again, this is kind of a, a difficult topic and one in which there's no complete list or limits to what God can do in and through us when empowered by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, many people have assumed they have some particular gifts because they are more spectacular or more desirable than other gifts. And they produce a, a praise response from other believers, such as, you're so amazing. God must really love you to give you such an amazing gift. A word to the wise, it is better to use the actual gifts God gave you using his power than it is to try and manifest some gift of your own power. And just to be clear, a little disclaimer, your desire to do something does not signify your ability, talent, or gifting to actually do it. It should be very clear when you are gifted at something because the fruit produced from exercising that gift will be for the glory of God. And again, for the edification of his people and not for your own glory. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
Spiritual gifts come from God through the Holy Spirit and are meant to edify believers and glorify God. And this is most often achieved through church ministry. Ministry is from the Greek word Do you know it? Do you know what the Greek word is? I don't know. All right. Diakonia. Diakonia. Koinia. Is that right, Tony? Yeah. Diakonia. I think that's right. All right. Which means to serve as a slave, to serve God, and to serve other Christians. And so to recap, God gives Christians gifts through the Holy Spirit, that are intended to help other Christians grow, typically through some type of church ministry. And so that's kind of the general takeaway. But now let's look at a couple of specifics. You can open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, 7, and 8. 6, 7, and 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The first thing to notice here is that we have different kinds of gifts. Not necessarily talking about natural gifts, but different kinds of gifts that have been granted to us and enabled in us by the Holy Spirit. Those spiritual gifts can build upon other gifts, such as natural gifts, but in general, they vary from person to person based on the needs of our environment or our communities. These varying gifts are what enable a Christian to participate in and sometimes lead ministries. Notice Paul points out that these gifts are given according to the grace of God. Essentially, this means that we are not entitled to these gifts. We did not earn these gifts. God has granted them to us to complete the tasks associated with our service to him in and through ministry. And so don't get all puffed up if you're gifted because you didn't earn that gifting. And it's, it's not really for you. Proverbs 28, 25 says, He who is a, of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. So God gives people different gifts based on what he deems necessary, and those gifts are to be used for others. These are not ugly sweater gifts that you never wear. These are spiritual gifts that, once received, are to be used, again, for the glory of God through ministry. Notice Paul lists some gifts in this passage. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. And before we look at these, let me just say, this is not an exhaustive list. This is an example of some spiritual giftings. 
First, prophecy. In simple terms, prophecy means to communicate God's revealed truth in a way that convicts the hearers. Not revealing new truths that are not contained in the Bible. God has revealed everything that he's going to reveal from beginning to end or from Genesis to Revelation. And so from a technical perspective, if you are sharing God's word with someone, you are prophesying. Especially if it is provoking conviction. You hear some self-proclaimed modern day prophets or prophetesses who claim to be revealing what God is saying And those sayings often contradict the Bible. Listen, this is very important. If you feel God is telling you to do or to say something that does not line up with Scripture, you may be being influenced by some other not good force. I'm just saying, keep the Bible handy and use it for verifying everything. But notice, let us prophesy in proportion to our own faith. For example, let's say... You like to tell people that they should read their Bibles. You feel gifted in the area of prophecy. And so you stand on the street corner shouting out, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Read your Bibles or you're going to hell. But you don't really read the Bible yourself. Or at least not as much as you tell others to do. This would not really line up in proportion to your faith, would it? Essentially, you can't tell someone to do something that you're not doing. This happens a lot in the pulpit. Pastors proclaiming the word of God and then not abiding in it themselves. If you tell someone to read their Bibles, then you should be reading your Bible. If you tell someone to forgive, to forgive people because God said to, then you should be a forgiving person as well. And most importantly, You should never deliberately say something about God that is not true or in the Bible because there are consequences. Psalm 101, verse 7. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. If you think being a prophet is where the money is, I can tell you as a pastor, as someone who attempts to reveal God's word, It can be terrifying sometimes trying to handle the word of God for fear of misleading people, even unintentionally. Second, the gift of ministry is essentially serving other believers, as I mentioned before, or within the body of Christ. Many people have this gift. It could be as simple as cleaning a bathroom so our brothers and sisters have clean facilities. Or cleaning out the kitchen like our sisters from the women's ministry did just a few months ago. The gift of ministry is vital to the success of the local church. And that they help to facilitate and share all spiritual gifts with others. Third, the gift of teaching is an amazing gift. Being able to teach a person something is is a very important gift. And this gift has such a huge impact on people, especially if you're teaching the Bible. But this is not limited to teaching the Bible or doctrine, but spans all Christian living. If you are a seasoned Christian, someone who has gone through the ups and downs of life, you can teach those lessons to younger, more immature Christians. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And he who exhorts 
and exhortation. This fourth gift means you have the ability to encourage a person to action. A lot of times pastors have this gift, but really all Christians through their own demonstrations of action have the ability to exhort or encourage others to get involved in church activities or to meet the needs of others. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of others, of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Fifth, sixth, and seventh. The gifts of giving, leading, and mercy are pretty easy to understand. If you have money or time and you are gifted in giving, then give in large, generous amounts. If you are in a, bless you, if you are in a leadership position, be persistent in your efforts and take responsibility for your actions. I think it was George Washington that, that said, it is better to offer no excuse than a bad one. And if you are a merciful person, gifted with giving to those that which they do not deserve, don't be bitter about it. Show mercy with cheerfulness, knowing that it is for God you exercise your gift, not for yourself. Psalm 68, 3. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. We must use the gifts that we have been given to glorify God regardless how we feel. I read a story called Stir Up Your Gifts that said this. My friend Andy Eddington, once the president of Shriner College in Texas, would go to prisons and preach to men on death row in Huntsville, Texas. I used to go with Andy every now and then. And on one of those trips, we stopped at a greasy spoon on our way home to Dallas. And Andy loved sugar in his coffee. So he took not one, not two, but three teaspoonfuls of sugar. As the waitress watched, Andy said, Ma'am, we're going to need more sugar for this table. This Texas waitress looked at Andy and said, Listen, bud, before I give you more sugar, stir what you got. Principle one is just that. We as Christians all have spiritual gifts, some similar to others, some unique, and we need to stir what we got. The question is, is how do you even do that? Well, first we need to determine what gifts we have been given. And so how do we do that? Well, first you can pray about it, right? God is the one who gave you the gifts. So you can start out by talking to him. Lord, I know you've gifted me. But I don't know what that gift is. I don't know how to use that gift. Open some doors for me. I want to serve. You can ask your Christian friends to help you. You have friends, you have family who know you well, who can help you to identify your strengths. You can take a spiritual gifts test. You can go online and find these tests. And they will, at the very least, help you identify some areas to consider. A side note, spiritual gift tests are not always accurate. But again, it's a place to start. And second, we need to use those gifts. 
Once you identify some gifts, find ways to deploy those gifts. It could be here in the church, in one of the ministries that we have, children's ministry, women's ministry, family ministry, worship ministry. It can be, bless you too. It can be with some other Christian nonprofit organizations like volunteering at the Life Choice Community Pregnancy Clinic, helping moms to make informed decisions and choices about their pregnancy, or even just on your own, maybe preaching down at the park to skateboarders, maybe meeting men and having coffee and just discussing the Bible, maybe starting a home Bible study with your friends and family. Whatever your gifts, just use them. Stir what you got to glorify God. Don't wait for the pastor to call you out. Just get serving. But remember this quote from Charles Spurgeon as you do. When your will is God's will, you will have your will. When your will is God's will, you will have your will. Our second passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually as he wills. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses some Christians who are acting like children. There are many problems in the church, including divisions that are being created, immorality, pride, and selfishness. And Paul is telling these Christians that it's time to grow up. We don't all have the same gifts, but we do have the same spirit. We don't all serve in the same ministries, but we serve the same Lord. And while not all local churches do the same types of activities, there is only one God who works all in all. The point of spiritual gifts is not to make ourselves look and feel good, but to serve each other, and in doing so, we glorify God. Notice, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Paul is telling these bickering Christians to stop being children and to serve the Lord because, again, the spiritual gifts are not meant to serve themselves but to serve all Christians. Next, Paul lists some gifts, starting with the word of wisdom and then the word of knowledge. These two, which most Christians will agree, are very important and involve the ability to share God's wisdom in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the ability to communicate God's plan of salvation. Next, he states, faith is a gift. 
And according to one commentator, the gift of faith does not refer to a person's initial trust in Christ for salvation, but to deeper expressions of faith, such as undergoing hardship or martyrdom. Hence, it can be rendered faithfulness. The gifts of healing and miracles were associated with Paul and the other apostles. Notice Acts 19.11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. I'm not saying that healing and miracles don't happen today or that people can't receive these gifts. But certainly and clearly the apostles were given these unusual gifts. And again, we see the gift of prophecy being mentioned, which we already discussed. The gift of discerning of spirits could be another apostolic gift or one that was exclusive to the apostles. But notice 1 John 4.1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then last, Paul lists speaking and interpreting tongues, which is one of those gifts that many people think that they have, but likely do not. An example is some of the Assemblies of God churches. Speaking in tongues is often done by uttering nonsensical words or sentences, and in some cases even requires a lesson in doing it. Now, I've personally witnessed many, many people speak in tongues. And I, can, I cannot honestly give you one example of a time I felt like it was genuine or of the Spirit. And I don't mean to offend anybody by that, but that's just my experience. And I want to share a video with you guys of a couple of pastors having a conversation and what they claim to be tongues. And while I don't know these people, I can honestly say that I think they're crazy. Rodney Howard Brown is one of the men, and the other is Kenneth Copeland, a well-known name. And I, you just got to see this. And <laughs> And I'm a man, man, fiesta, and I'm a man, more of fiesta, and I'm a man, juker, a televia. Okay. Now, again, I don't know those people. I don't know if that was genuine or not. But from my opinion, if what you're doing does not edify Christians, then what are you doing it for? According to Acts 2.4, the Holy Spirit had given the Christians on Pentecost the ability to speak in different languages or unlearned languages. Notice Acts 2.4 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I just want to note that I don't know whether speaking in tongues is a current gift or if the assembly of God's folks are being disingenuine. I'm just saying that it seems unproductive, again, for a person to speak a language that nobody understands or can interpret. I can't see how that edifies anybody. And the spirit isn't in that kind of business. However, the point of listing out these gifts is not to debate them or to pick them apart. It's to point out that there are varying gifts from the same spirit. Notice verse 11. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so... One of the questions a person must ask themselves is this. When God, through the Holy Spirit, has given you a gift, do you use that gift to the best of your ability? Or do you act like children and focus on what other people are doing or are not doing? Do you see what so-and-so is doing? They don't know how to teach as good as me. I could clean the bathrooms better than this guy. And so it goes, bicker, 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 snicker, snicker, snicker. I read an article called Everything Everything Good is from God, which says this. Some people are appreciative by nature, but some are not. And it is these latter people who especially need God's power to express thanksgiving. We should remember that every good gift comes from God. And that he is, as the theologians put it, the source, support, and end of all things. The very breath in our mouths is the free gift of God. Thankfulness is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God. And that the the blessings of life come only from his bountiful hand. Whether our gifts are big or small, they all come from God and should be used to the best of our abilities for the primary purpose of serving each other for God's glory, not our own. Principle two is there are many different types of spiritual gifts and there are some that seem greater than others, but they are all big gifts because they are from God. And the best way to apply this to our lives is to simply not bicker about what God has given you or someone else. If you think you deserve a greater gift, or if you think the gifts that you've been given are not cool enough to use them, then you have forgotten who it was that gave it to you to begin with. Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many people defiled. There is only one God. And he doesn't make mistakes. So don't let bitterness eat at you. Instead, deploy what God has given you to serve your fellow Christians and to glorify God. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, Grace is favor shown to people who do not deserve any favor at all. We deserve nothing but hell. If you think you deserve heaven, 
then you are not a Christian at all. Our third and final passage is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as the, with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. As was stated previously, all Christians have received spiritual gifts from God. This happens in general when a person becomes a believer. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they, they are born again. Most of you are familiar with that term. This regeneration or rebirth is when a person becomes made alive spiritually, which provokes some incredible changes in a person. One source said that after regeneration, we begin to see and hear and seek divine things. We begin to live a life of faith and holiness. The spiritual gifts that God gives us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit are meant to, are meant to help us. As the passage states, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Minister to one another essentially means to attend to the needs of another. Doctors minister to injured people. Cooks minister to physically hungry people. Pastors minister to biblically hungry people. You could say that ministering is only for special people. And that is true. However, what, what makes those special, those, those people special, is not their job title, but rather their desire to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward of the manifold grace of God is someone that takes careful and responsible management of their gifts because they are aware that they are the result of God's grace. Notice Peter lists two types of gifts here, speaking and serving. First, Peter says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, this includes many of the gifts that we've already discussed, teaching, preaching, prophecy, etc. Essentially, what a person is saying in and through these gifts should reflect what God himself has already said. One commentator said it this way, the very words of God are utterances from God's mouth. So what one says must be as God says it. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to, reconcile, to be reconciled to God. Second Peter says, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Essentially, serving in any capacity requires being empowered with the strength that God provides. Serving one another requires a complete dependency on God's help. Charles Spurgeon said, no dependence can be placed upon our natural qualities or our spiritual attainments, but God abideth faithful. He is faithful in his love. He knows no variableness. 
no shadow of turning. He is faithful to his purpose. He does not begin a world and then leave it undone. Ministry is hard work. And to make it through, we must rely on God. And then notice that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To who belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Understand that when we use the gifts God has given us, it will glorify God. If you help a person in Jesus' name, it is him that they will thank and not you. If you speak the truth to an unbeliever in Jesus' name, it is him that they will praise and not you. And this is the way it's supposed to be. Because all glory belongs to God through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the one who saved and empowered each of us to do his will in the first place. I read an article called Open Hands Go Both Ways, which read, all too often we regard stewardship simply as a matter of our giving to God. But this aspect is secondary. Before we can give, we must possess. And before we possess, we must receive. Therefore, stewardship is, in the first place, receiving God's good and bountiful gifts. And once received, those gifts are not to be used solely for our own good. They must also be used for the benefit of others and ultimately for the glory of God, the giver. The steward needs an open hand to receive from God and then an active hand to give to God and to others. Principle three, we as Christians are saved, empowered, and deployed. So others will be saved, empowered, and deployed all for the glory of God. If you want to apply this to your life, then understand that practice makes perfect. We must apply our gifts. We must perform the activities that we are gifted in repeatedly and regularly in order to improve proficiency. If you desire to share the gospel with unbelievers, then you must practice doing it. If you want to preach the word of God, then you have to practice doing it. You can preach to your friends, your families, your neighbors. If you desire to teach, then you can volunteer in children's ministry, family ministry, women's and men's ministries, etc. You can start right now. Practice makes perfect. And when you feel like you're failing, because we all do sometimes, remember God will not leave his work undone. And if you are discouraged by others, remember it is God that gave you the gift, not man. And so preach and teach and never stop practicing because you can only get better. I read an article called God Chooses Ordinary People to Get His Work Done. It said this, I do all of my best thinking on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. There's a picnic table at the end of the little pier right across from the pirate ship. I suppose most people think this place is just a prop because... There's a couple of wooden kegs marked gunpowder and some pirate paraphernalia hung over the railings. But it's not just a prop to me, it's my office. 
There are no admission requirements at Tom Sawyer Island. It doesn't matter how tall or short you are, old or young. You can do countless things there. Most of them involve running and jumping and using your creativity and imagination. It's a place where you can go and just do stuff. In that way, it's a place that mirrors life well. At least the opportunity to do much with our lives. Somewhere in each of us, I believe there's desire for a place like Tom Sawyer Island. A place where the stuff of imagination, whimsy, and wonder are easier to live out. Not just think about or put off until next time. This is a weighty thing to think about on my island. But I often consider what I am tempted to call the greatest lie of all time. And that lie can be bound up in two words someone else. On Tom Sawyer Island, I reflect on God who didn't choose someone else to express his creative presence to the world, who didn't tap the rock star or the popular kid to get things done. He chose you and he chose me. We are the means, the method, the object, and the delivery vehicle. God can use anyone for sure. If you can shred play a fender, a guitar, or one best personality, you're not disqualified. It just doesn't make you more qualified. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so I think we should just get her done. Let's pray. Holy Father, God in heaven, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you so much for the gifts that you have given all of us, Lord. I pray over all the hearts today that, that we would dig down deep and figure out what those gifts are and that we would deploy them as soon as possible. Lord, with all the chaos in the world, what we need are strong Christians who stand up for the faith. We need Christians who are not afraid to deploy their gifts, who are not afraid to be out in the community and to let everybody know who we are and what we represent. We represent you, the King of Kings, and I pray that you would empower and encourage us to do that. Thank you for all that you have done in and through this church and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.